0: Hi, my name is Christy. I'd like to share my financial story with you. It actually started my first year in college with my first credit card that I opened, but I'm not gonna take you that far back. I'm gonna go to about 12 years ago. My husband and I had bought a home. We had a mortgage. We had cars that we had auto loans on, and we had credit cards. Back at that time, you were getting 0% for 12 months, 2% for six months, all sorts of great offers. We were putting our two daughters through college, we had moved our business to a new location Uh, the problem was we hadn't saved for any of it there were no college funds in place there was no savings prepared to grow a business so here comes the credit cards at zero percent two percent to me it was like free money Uh, in the meantime up to that point too our house uh, had appreciated in value so we had refinanced a couple times and in those times we had some credit card debt and they were always saying just put the credit card debt into your home and look what your payment's gonna be. I was like, wow, that's awesome, look how much money we're saving. But we never closed the cards. We left them open, we'd pay them off, and we'd start to use them again. A Couple years later, everything went south. The economy took a wild turn. Next thing we knew, we were upside down in our home. I knew we had a lot of credit card debt, but I was in true denial as to how much so i knew the first thing i had to do was to get out of my denial of how much debt we were in and get a spreadsheet started i was absolutely devastated 94000 dollars in credit card debt i still can't say it to this day because it just hurts so bad how carried away i got with everything i'm an accountant i kept the books i wrote the checks Uh, my husband knew there was debt but not how much so the next part was sitting down with him and showing him what had been done. It was one of the most difficult times of my life because I was dealing with my pride. I was dealing with the fact that I realized I had a serious addiction to credit cards, all sorts of things. But we sat down and we went over all the numbers. I'm very happy to say we're still married, which is one miracle, yay! But uh, what was really awesome about that is because of that, we became a team. It wasn't me possessing it, owning it, controlling it like I felt comfortable doing, I thought. It was us coming together as a team and making a plan of how are we gonna get out of this? What are we gonna do? So we decided to use a credit service, a nonprofit credit service. And the first thing they told us to do is you call every credit card company and you cancel those cards. We've never done that before. And it was amazing how the burden was lifted off our shoulders one call at a time it's what I call truly being unleashed because I thought I thought credit cards were my security I thought they were my emergency fund I thought how am I gonna do this without a credit card what if something happens what if I need something what if I want something which is always what it was now it's just lies those were just lies in my life that I didn't realize and now I'm here to say that after it took us about four and a half years we were able to pay that debt off There's just such a financial freedom in our life. And the way God has taken our ashes and turned it into what I call beauty, he allowed uh, the opportunity to lead a financial peace class here at the church. And I went through it for the very first time with the class. And even though we were already on our getting rid of the debt part, I learned so much from all the other videos of how to manage money and how to do it God's way. That's the most important for people like me who are controlling and and think you really know it all. uh, There's so much in the word about how to manage money God's way. And so it was just so freeing for us and I feel blessed for it. And just an ending, Romans 13, eight reads, owe no man anything but to love him. And that is my goal.
1: Gotta love, gotta love stories of life change, uh, and if you don't, uh, then uh, I'd like to have lunch with you and figure out why. Uh, you know, I just love hearing the, that what God has done and how God has changed and how God has moved in people's lives, and uh, when every time I hear a story like that, what I hope you hear is that whatever your situation, whatever your circumstance, whatever your struggle, God can redeem. Because he's the God who redeems. I'm going to invite you to take your Bibles, your Bible apps, and turn to the book of Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah 29 is our text today. If uh, you don't have a Bible with you, that's fine. Grab one of the Bibles in the seats around you uh, and turn to page 780. 780 and you'll find our text and be able to follow along. While you're finding Jeremiah 29, uh, let me just uh, tell you something I'm excited about. I'm excited about all the stuff that's going on at Calvary. Most of the things we tell you about are happening next week, next month, uh, you know, coming soon. But uh, I'm going to share with you about something that's happening in about 10 months, and that is our Holy Land trip in 2020. Uh, some of you have asked questions about that. We've talked about it for a while, but now it's kind of getting to uh, reality time. And, uh, and so we're going to be going, leaving late November uh, in, into early December. For um, in 2020, going to go visit all the sites in Jerusalem and in uh, and in Israel and a crossover into Jordan and go see Petra. It's going to be a great opportunity if you've ever wanted to do this to do it with us. It's a great discipleship opportunity because the Bible will come alive in ways that you never imagined it could, and that's part of my personal testimony about with that. And uh, and so if you're interested in that, you, there's brochures at the connection center. You can pick those up uh you can go online you can call and ask questions but next saturday evening after our five o'clock service we're going to have a question and answer time so if you want some more information you've got some specific questions you can come then and and we will try to address that because it's getting close to that time when people go okay i need to commit i need to either say we're going or we're not going and we want to help you uh to go and to learn and to do that if that's what you feel like god is saying uh you can have the the opportunity to do Because God always has a plan. We're continuing our Unleashed series. We're talking about, you know, how God has a a plan for our lives. And I want you to know that God always has a plan. Even when we don't see it, even when we can't understand it, God has a plan. For instance, when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt, God had a plan to set them free. Uh, It involved calling a guy who uh, was a wanted murderer. It involved uh, ten different plagues on the land of Egypt. And it ultimately involved uh, slaughtering a lamb, eating it, and taking the blood from that lamb and spreading it on the doorpost of your house so the death angel would pass over your house. And that's how God set the Israelites free. And and they celebrate that to this day in what we call Passover. 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 So God has a plan. By the way, if you want to read the whole story, it's uh, found in the book of Exodus, chapters 3 through 12. And uh, it's fascinating. But God has a plan. Always. Uh, When Joshua was leading the Israelites into the promised land, and and they're going to conquer the land and take what God had promised them, their first encounter was a large fortified city called Jericho. Uh, This is in Joshua chapter 6, if you want to go home and read the story. And God's plan was this. His battle plan, his attack plan was this. I want you to walk around the city each day for six days. One time. Everybody. Women, children, men, soldiers, whatever. Walk around the city. And they did it. Six days. We walked around the city, you know, one time. On the seventh day, he said, I want you to walk around the city seven times. And I want the band to play. And I want everybody to shout when you're done. And when they did that, the walls of Jericho fell down. I mean, that was God's plan. He gave them victory through some kind of crazy battle scheme that, by the way, won't work for you because that was God's plan for them at that time. God always has a plan. When Jerusalem was conquered by the Babylonian Empire and its leaders, uh, the the priests and the princes and the king, all that were taken away into exile to Babylon, uh, their prayer was that God would deliver them, that God would set them free and get them back to Jerusalem where they were supposed to be. And they were praying that and they had the uh, prophets telling them that's what God was going to do. But God had a different plan and he told them through the prophet Jeremiah. Chapter 29, I want to begin at verse 4. Listen to what Jeremiah tells us. He says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, "...to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may be sons and da- bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf." For in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you And I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Some of those verses are kind of familiar, aren't they? you've, you've uh, probably read them or heard them or seen them on a card. Maybe you've given them to other people. Maybe you've quoted them. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Um, the Israelites wanted immediate deliverance and freedom from captivity. That's what they wanted. And their prophets were telling them, this is what God's going to do. And God said, nope, it's not what I'm going to do. I know that's what you want, but here's what I, I'm telling you to do. I want you to build. I want you to plant. I want you to marry. I want you to have kids. I want you to bless the city that you're in because you're going to be there for a while, as in 70 years. You know what he was telling the leaders? You're going to die here. You want to go back to Jerusalem, but you're going to die here. So since you're going to die here, live here. And they didn't want to hear that. But his plans were to bless them, to prosper them. His plans were for their welfare so that they could have A future and a hope see God always has a plan and a lot of times we don't like it can we just be honest about that God has a plan he had a plan for the uh, the Israelites in Babylon and that's not the plan they wanted and God had a plan for us and the disciples of Jesus didn't really like it either Uh, we're talking about God's plan for salvation in Matthew 16, uh, there's a story where Jesus looks at his disciples and says, who do, who do you say that I am? And the apostle Peter, he steps up, is all proud, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. Jesus said, that's right, God revealed that to you, you, didn't, you weren't smart enough to figure that out yourself. And uh, you can read it, that, that's kind of what he says. And, um, and then Jesus tells them this. He explains God's plan in detail, Matthew 16, It says from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and then be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter, the same Peter who just confessed, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke Jesus. Don't think that's ever a good idea. Just for the record. But he began to rebuke Jesus, saying, far be it from you, Lord. He says, this will never happen to you. This is never going to happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. God always has a plan. By the way, the apostles resisted God's plan for salvation right up until the resurrection. Right up past the empty tomb until Jesus appeared in their midst. God always has a plan. And if you're a follower of Jesus, if you believe that Jesus really is the one and only Son of God and Savior of the world, you believe that he died on the cross to pay for your sins, Was raised from the dead, and you have made a commitment to follow Jesus with your life, then God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you, and God has a plan to bless you. God has a plan to bless you. Right? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to give you, you know, for your welfare, not for evil. I memorized it beginning the first time plans to prosper you, not to harm you. God has a plan to bless you if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And He begins by wanting to bless us spiritually. Okay, through forgiveness of sins. When you trust Jesus as Savior and Lord, all of your sins are forgiven. All of them. Isn't that amazing? That's what grace is all about. That's why we praise God so much, because all of our sins are forgiven. And not only are our sins are forgiven, but we're adopted into God's family. God puts His Holy Spirit in us. God the Holy Spirit resides in you. And He gives you comfort and He gives you encouragement. And yes, He convicts you of sin and He tries to give you the strength to overcome that. And God blesses us spiritually because if you're a follower of Jesus, it means that heaven is your destiny. You think we might get a little excited about that. I mean, I don't know about you, but that's kind of the cool part. I mean, all of it's cool, but that means that even though we deserve hell, we get heaven. That is such a sweet deal. God has a plan to bless you spiritually. By the way, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus and you're here, why are you not yet a follower of Jesus? I I mean, if you don't get this, if you're like on the fence, like I'm not sure, please see me after the service. I'm going to be out there. We got other pastors that are here that would love to talk with you and explain to you that this really is true and it really does work and God's, God's plan is best because He wants to bless you spiritually and He wants to bless you relationally. Scripture is full of God's wisdom about relationships. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, respect your husbands. Parents, teach your kids the things of God and discipline your kids. And by the way, all of us, love your neighbor As yourself. Relationships. God wants to bless you relationally. By the way, if you will take God's wisdom on relationships and you will live it out, your family will be so much better. Your marriage will be so much better. Your work relationships will be so much better if you'll take God's word and live it out because he wants to bless you relationally. And God has a plan to bless you financially. Financially. You go, come on, are you, are you serious? Yeah, it's part of life. I, I mean, when he's talking to the people in Babylon who want to be in Jerusalem, what does he say? I have plans for your welfare, not for evil. I, I want you to plant. I want you to build. I want you to grow. I want you to be successful. I want you to bless the people around you. So God has a plan. Now, you may not like it. Just to be honest with you. I mean, the disciples didn't like Jesus' plan, the the You know, the Jews in exile in Babylon didn't like God's plan either. So you may not like it. You may not understand it. You may not want it. But God wants to bless you financially. And just for the record, it does not involve you winning the lottery. See, that's kind of how God is. We've got our plans. God, if you'll just let me win, I'll do all kinds of good stuff for you. God's like, no, I love you too much. I got a better plan for you i got a plan to bless you. I want, I want your welfare to be I- involved in this n- and not evil. So what I want to do is, is just look at God's simple plan to bless us. And it's simple, it's straightforward, it's, it's not really hard, but, it, but if you're sitting there going, you know, like Christy talked about in the, in the testimony, you know, he, uh, my life was crashing and I didn't know what to do, then I want to explain God's plan to, to bless you financially. Uh, and, and and it'll bless all of you so here it is first of all step one live within your means not your payments okay live within your means not your payments see my confession is for years I lived beyond my means we live beyond our means we spent more than we made now we lived within our payments but that was my most sinful long-term behavior and some of you are going like that's not sin Why do you call it sin? I don't like it when you call that sin. Here's why. Uh, Who's the one who provides for us? Yeah, the answer is God. God provides for us. God is the one who provides for us. That was one point uh, early on in uh, my tenure here at Calvary. For those of you who knew, I've been here, I've been the pastor for 28 years, and no, I'm not tired of you guys yet. Uh, I, hope the is, <laughs> I hope the feeling is mutual. Uh, so anyway, so early on, uh, you know, this church was smaller, a lot smaller, the pay was a lot smaller, and I was, you know, I, I really wanted a raise, needed a raise, all that kind of stuff, and, and I didn't get the raise. You know, it was business time, and passed the budget, and all this kind of stuff, and I was so frustrated, angry, disappointed, all those words, and I'm like, why is this happening? God? These people, your people, you know, all these accusations were thrown at the same time i was getting ready to preach through the book of hebrews and so i was reading hebrews and and this is what god said to me okay like real time I, i'm i'm reading because i have to because i got to re- ready to preach and i'm read this hebrews thirteen five. keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have for god has said i will never leave you or forsake you for God has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. You know what God is saying? All right, okay, let me just tell you what God said for, to me out of that, that verse, out of that moment, out of that thing. What God said is, hey, Chad, I, I, w- I don't want you to love money and I want you to be content with what you have. Because I'm the one who's with you and I'm not ever going to leave you or forsake you. And by the way, I'm the one who provides all the stuff that you have. So if you have an issue, Chad, with what they're paying you, You have an issue with me, not them. And I went, oh, crap. (laughs) And yes, I use that word because that's the word I use. Because here's the thing. How in the world am I going to be angry at God? God's the one who's forgiven me of all my sins. He's promised me heaven. He's adopted me as his child. I get the guarantee of, of, you know, all of the kingdom in my inheritance And God is with me, and he loves me, and I don't deserve any of it. And so, God, I really can't be upset with you, so I guess I need to learn to live within my means. Be content with what you have. You see, when we spend more than God provides, what are we saying? We're really saying, God, you're not providing enough. When I outspend my income, I'm saying I'm basically accusing God of not giving me enough income. So, do you believe that God provides? Three people over here. I'm so glad you guys believe. Do you guys believe that God provides? Okay. Here's the hard question. Then, see, that's the, I, I'm setting you guys up. Then, do you believe that God provides enough? See, that's, that's the hard question. It's easy to answer yes in church and then go home and look at your <laughs> checkbook and wonder aloud if you really believe that because living within your means is a lifestyle of faith. Living within your means is a demonstration of self-control, which is one of the fruit of the Spirit. It's a dramatic change for many of us and it and, and doesn't mean that you don't work hard. It doesn't mean that you don't try to get promotions or earn raises it means that you are grateful for what you have and you're content with what you have and you live within your means. See, if we desire to be unleashed, which means free to live for Jesus, then we've got to take this step. We've got to live within our means. And, and, and that means that we need to make a budget and live by it. Make a budget and live by it. Can I just confess, I, I don't like budgets. Okay, no, it's just not, it's not how I'm wired. It's not that I'm opposed to a moral or anything like that. I just, it's just the kind of work I don't want to do. But, uh, but we have a budget, and, and uh, we have to face reality when we put it all down in black and white and look at it. And if we're going to change, we've got to do that. And for some of you, that means that, you know, the spiritual step that you need to take is make a budget for your family. And talk about it as a family. Uh, by the way, budgeting is biblical Uh, In Luke 14, Jesus is teaching, and he says this, For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost? Whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish it, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, Ah, this idiot began to build and was not able to finish. You see, counting the cost. Counting the cost. So it begins when we renounce ownership, which is how Jesus ends that passage, by the way. Because we're stewards of God's. It's not our stuff, it's God's stuff. We talked about that last week. You can listen to that at calvarylhc.com if you missed that one. Um, But we count the cost. We make a budget. And then we follow Jesus into freedom. See, by the way, practically, uh, making a budget will help build communication as a couple. It'll help you talk about things that are significant that you've been avoiding. Uh, But it'll also help you determine how you can make more money and spend less money. It'll help you establish family priorities. It's counting the cost. And by the way, if you've missed the first two weeks, you can still join our Financial Peace University groups, meeting Tuesday nights at McCulloch or Thursday nights here. Just show up and, uh, and learn with us. So step one of God's plan, live within your means. Step two, save and reduce debt. I know, that's so exciting, isn't it? like, all right, seriously, your point in your sermon is save and reduce debt. Yeah, saving needs to be part of your budget. Government statistics tell us the majority of Americans have less than $1,000 in savings. That that means that, you know, you don't have an emergency fund. Dave Ramsey encourages families to, um, first baby step, build a $1,000 emergency fund. That way you're ready for the little emergencies that life brings. And I know the frustration of having to ask for help. Our oldest daughter was five, and she needed to go to a, a pedodontist, and, and so we had to go to Phoenix, but we didn't have the money. We had to borrow the money from our family. We had to ask for help. None of us like to ask for help, uh, but we didn't have that emergency fund. We do now. Okay? We, we do now. It, it, it's a change that we have to take on. A- and none of us uh, want to be at that, you know, complete and total need of everyone else. So save and reduce debt. Proverbs 22.7 The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is a slave of the lender. Jesus said, if the Son has set you free, you're free indeed. The Apostle Paul said, It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Yet we willingly submit. To the slavery of debt and yet God desires your freedom he wants your welfare not evil he wants you to have freedom from fear which is why he gives us the promise of eternal life because we don't have to be afraid because Jesus says I got a place for you and I'll take you there don't worry about things he wants you to be free from the you know from failure that's why he promises to redeem everything he causes all things to work together for good even when we fail He wants us to have freedom from sin which is why he says I'm not going to put you in a situation where there's no escape. I'll give you a way out. You can overcome this. And he wants to set us free from debt because he promises to provide enough for us. So that's God's plan to bless you financially. Step one, live within your means. Step two, save and reduce debt. Step three, be generous. Be generous. Some of you are going, how's that going to help bless us financially? Well, I got another trick question for you. Do you guys believe Jesus? Okay, well, see, enthusiastically you answer yes. Well, in Acts twenty thirty five, they tell us that the words of the Lord Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, we quote that to people all the time, and we say it, and it's, you know, (laughs) probably on some, you know, bathroom walls or something. (laughs) Isn't that where we put, why do people put scripture in bathrooms? Maybe because we're there for, I don't know. Anyway, it's a whole other mystery. We'll talk about that later. But it's more blessed to give than to receive. If we believe Jesus, then are we living that reality? Because God's plan to bless you financially involves you blessing others financially. Did you catch that? God's plan to bless you financially involves you blessing others financially. That, that's kind of how God set this whole thing up. You see, think about it. You can't receive new blessings from God if your hands are full holding on to the previous blessings from God. You can't receive new blessings from God if your hands are full holding on to the blessings you've already received from God. See, when you're you're holding on, you can't take anything new. So what what, what does God want us to do? He wants us to give it away so that we can receive more, so that we can give it away, so that we can receive more, so that we can give it away. He wants your life to be a conduit. You want your life to be, you know, a conduit of, of, of just a, a pipe that things are passing through. Blessings are passing through. And the more blessings you want, what he's saying is you, you receive it, you give it. That, that's how he designed it to work. That, that's the order. That's that whole it's more blessed to give than to receive. So let go and be generous. Which means you need to be generous toward God. Now, that always makes us stop and pause for him. It doesn't mean to be generous toward God. Actually, God actually tells us. His people, okay, start started explaining this to, to Israel. When there was people, he said, I want you to, to give back 10%. It's called a tithe. We still use that word, you know, tithing and, and things. It means giving God 10% of what he's given you. And, and, and a lot of people, in fact, I was asked several questions about this last week. People go, I just hadn't heard of that. Never, you know, it's a new concept. See, when you, when you give God 10% back because he asks us to, you're, you're demonstrating your faith. You're saying, God, I trust you that, you, that you provide and that you provide enough. And you're demonstrating gratitude. You're saying, God, thank you for the blessings that you've given me. So I'll give back to you. It, you're, you're demonstrating your commitment to the mission of God. That leading people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus. You're saying, hey, I want to expand God's kingdom. I want to give to that. And you're demonstrating obedience. You're just simply saying, God, you've asked me to do this. I'm going to do what you ask. 10%. Now, that's a challenge because there's some of you that are going, no, can't, that's too much. There's no way. You don't understand. There's just no way. And God knew this was tough. He knew this was hard, which is why the only place, the only place in all of Scripture that God actually asks us to test him is at the point of tithing. Do you know that? This entire book, you read the entire thing. One passage, it's another prophet. You know, we're looking at Jeremiah the prophet, Malachi the prophet, in third chapter, verse 10. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, because theirs was animals and and grains and stuff like that. He said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that I'll have the food enough in my house. And then he says this, test me in this. Test me. Try me in this, God says. You know what, God's throwing the gauntlet now." Go on, see if I will not give you so much blessing, you won't have room for it all. Isn't that crazy? That from eternity, God is looking down and he's, and he's saying to a lot of us in here, try me. Go ahead and put me to the test. Here, and I'll even put it, frame it this way. If you've never tried tithing, try it for three months. Just, you know, you're making a budget anyway. Sit down with it and go, okay, 10% is going to God. The rest of it doesn't add up now, but we're going to trust God. We're going to give him the 10% because he gives us enough. See if God does not bless you. See if he does There's a lot of you in here that have been tithing for your whole lives. You're like, yeah, it'll work. Trust him. Yeah. See, those of you who know, you know. Those of you who don't, you're like, I don't get it. Exactly. Takes faith. But it goes back up to that, that whole question. Do you believe Jesus? It's more blessed to give than to receive. So be generous toward God and, and be generous to others. You know, just think generous thoughts. Just look around, you know, when, when there are servers taking care of you. You guys have heard me say this, but I, I may not have explained it. Be generous with the tip. Don't tip for service. You go, well, that, that's the whole point of tipping. No, not for us. We represent Jesus in everything that we do. That trumps service. Tip for Jesus: be generous, be kind. Uh, Yeah, if you don't, it's better to be generous even if you're a jerk. But don't be a jerk, okay? (laughs) You know, take care of the waitstaff. That's one little way that you can be generous. Give to causes you believe in. You know, sponsor a child of compassion. (laughs) Help us build wells in Mozambique. Give to your cancer charities. Give to Hospice of Havasu, the, the Faith and Grace house, uh, domestic violence house that's new in town. Give to CCA. You know, go play golf and support the kids. See, open hands lead to joyful hearts. It's really that simple. So be generous. So God has a plan. A plan to bless you, a plan to prosper you. I'm not really even going to ask you if you like it his plan i'm just going to ask you will you follow god's plan to bless you i choose to follow the plan works i pray that you will make the similar choice let's pray together god your goodness is overwhelming you bless us way beyond anything that we deserve and so we pause and say thank you Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for life eternal. Thank you for hope. Thank you for being with us. And God, um, we we just want to honor you in everything that we do. For those whose message tonight was a challenge because we didn't like your plan, uh, meet us here and, and convince us through your spirit that we can do this, that we can take these steps, that we can live differently because you're in us and you give us the power to do that. God, for those that are simply amen tonight's message, I pray that you'll challenge them to grow even more in their generosity toward you and toward others so that we can unleash more of your blessings and be the people that you've called us to be. Most of all, Father, I pray that if there's someone here who doesn't know you as Savior and Lord, they're not yet a follower, that tonight will be the time that they choose to begin that relationship with Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.